This Principle of Hospitality podcast is brought to you by Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. Find more information at chefshat.com.au. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, food brings people together and promotes community. And here at Principle of Hospitality, we are disrupting the current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia on this season of Poe. Now, Audrey Allard is the founder of Holy Sugar, which is a subscription-based dessert box here in Victoria. She started out in Byron Bay, and a couple of years ago, she came to Melbourne and started this business during lockdown. It is fantastic to talk to her about this fantastic business today. Hey, Audrey, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um, look, I've been um, we've been talking through Instagram for a while, like, and I know, obviously, your great work with the Worksmith team, shout out to Michael and the rest of the team um, at the moment, like you're doing such a great job. And I know you've got um, a great hospitality journey and how you got to this point where you've got Holy Sugar. So I want to I wanna, I wanna talk about Holy Sugar in a minute, but like how did you actually start out in the industry? How did your love of, of, of pastry and everything sweet actually start out? Well, I finished year 12 in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I basically had the option to go to uni Mm -hmm. and study a Bachelor of Visual Arts degree or become a pastry chef. And my great-grandmother, she was a pastry chef, so it just kind of seemed like the right decision to become one and then implement my pastry with art. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, literally I finished Year 12 and then went straight into an apprenticeship um, within a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And started off at a patisserie, ended up at a bakery, um, patisserie slash restaurant. Um, this is all in Byron. Mm-hmm. And then packed my bags one night and headed to Melbourne and started working with Phil at mm-hmm. Point Leo Estate in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got me my restaurant fine dine experience. And then I headed to Loon and I started working at Loon for, I think, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I started Holy Sugar. So I had like my fingers in different pies. Like, you know, I did this whole sourdough, the pastry, patisserie, restaurant, Mm -hmm. fine dine, (laughs) croissantery. Everything in between. Um, Yeah. uh, You're speaking to an ex-baker, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. I'm always going to love bread. Um, So (laughs) that's a good thing. Um, I mean, it's an obsession, sourdough. Absolutely. Like I, I don't think... Like I started when I was, you know, super early, uh, super young, um, and I, I, it's nothing. It's it hasn't it hasn't ever left me. Like over twenty years, like the love of bread and wanting to make bread um, and wanting to create something like that has never has never never left me. So it's exciting to yeah. to be on your journey that you are now. I was gonna I was gonna actually ask. So are you originally from Byron? Yes. Wow. Okay. A little tiny village called Barring Bar, which okay. is about. Um, Half an hour inland from Byron. Okay. So yeah. What, what was it like growing up in Byron? Um, I mean, I spent 
the whole time pretty much on my family's farm. Yeah. Um, there's 200 acres there in the wow. hinterland. So um, I was just always in a fairy dress on the farm, painting chickens' nails. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the weird farm girl. Wow, that's cool. What what kind of farm does your family have? Uh, they've now got a dairy farm. So it was beef and um, lots of different crops. Yeah. And then mum was a cheesemaker. And so it just made sense that dad sold all the cattle mm-hmm. and bought Jersey cows. And dad's a welder by trade. So he built the dairy by hand. Wow. And mum now has a cheese factory on and she was a cheesemaker making cheese there. So. Yeah. Do you think that's what made you make that decision to go into hospitality? I mean, I had definitely had a huge love for hospitality because mum and I have always been foodies. Yep. Um, I think if mum wasn't a cheesemaker, I'd probably still make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely helped and it's been great having her um, in the same kind of industry as me. Yeah. Even even now, she's still cheese making right now. Yep. Gosh. Yep. She's probably in the cheese factory. Oh, actually, she had a market. She had a Byron market, I think. Oh wow. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um. So what what made you want to come to Melbourne? Like, because when I think of Byron, like I've been to Byron a couple of times. Like it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what made you want to come to Melbourne and sort of hone your craft a bit? Um. I've always been very career minded. And after working at Harvest, I wasn't sure like what my next move was. I think I was there for like almost three years and I knew that I had to go to either Sydney or Melbourne to kind of um, polish up my my skills a bit more. And I honestly packed my bags overnight. Like I didn't tell anyone I was going. Wow. I just packed my bags um, and I applied for a heap of places the week before mm-hmm. and no one had actually like accepted me yet. And I just started driving and I got to Sydney when Phil just gave me the job for Point Leo. So I just kept driving. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I know I didn't have any accommodation. I ended up staying at this house in Frankston, which was like half, like 25 minutes from the restaurant drive, which isn't too bad because like I'm from the country, but yeah. yeah, I didn't plan anything. It just all happened. I just winged it. <laughs> Was there was there just a moment that made you decide to do that? Obviously, you must have been thinking about that for a while. But was there just a was it just a literally a split a split just second a split, decision? Yeah, it was one hundred percent. I think that um, yeah, I'm a little bit crazy like that. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. Like they've yeah. always paid off decisions yes. like that. Yeah. Because I think to push myself out of my comfort zone, I can't think about it. I just have to do it. Mm. You know, just kind of dissociated with it and just go for it. Yeah. Did you know anyone in Melbourne? No, I had no one. I think I had had a cousin in St Kilda. Um, but yeah, on the, it was quite far away, given that I was on the peninsula. Yeah. And then she ended up moving back home when I moved into Melbourne. So yeah, right. Yeah. Didn't have that either. <laughs> yeah. So then, obviously, you've worked for some, you know, amazing venues here in here in Melbourne, including obviously most people would know Loon listening to the podcast. Like, what did you find you learnt from those, you know, higher end venues about about your craft and about what you're developing now with Holy Sugar? Um, from what I've learnt through them, I guess they've both 
been such, they've all been such great businesses. I think I've learned that maybe I don't want to have a business that's that big. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, why is, why it's, not something, it's not a goal of mine. Yeah. I don't know. I've learned, I've learned a lot, but I just can't really pinpoint exactly specifically what I've learned. Maybe, maybe just that I don't really think that I could handle owning a business as big as them, mm-hmm. nor would I want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of respect for them. In like for that reason, mm. yeah. I found that it's kind of a, a common thing which comes out, especially when I talk to people in from coming from bakeries and and um, and coming from patisserie as well. Like that they and I feel this too from owning bakeries like early on as well. Like I love things super small because then I can yeah. sort of control the experience more and control the product more and and to sort of feel really comfortable about it I think yeah yeah you sort of relate to that do you reckon yeah 100 percent. like I I love that holy sugar is like I love the size that it's at now like I even thought about um putting it onto private and just like keeping who I've got wow. and just leave that like I like I have thought about that a few times just because I don't think that I want it to grow that big mm-hmm. but like also if it does like amazing you know like I'm sure I'll figure it out mm-hmm. I think my biggest concern is that like I am selling out and people are missing out and I feel really bad and because I'm such a pushover like <laughs> I'll sell out and then I'll end up accepting like another 20 orders and then oh, if wow. I, I look at like my list and I'm like oh my god why did I do that to myself yes but yeah learning how to say no is something that I need to keep working on yeah yeah no I, I love that it's small and I want to keep it small but yeah, I guess I don't know. We'll see what happens. So for those like five people who are listening who don't know what Holy Sugar is and, um, you know, haven't haven't seen it in Melbourne, maybe they're listening to state or overseas, like what what is Holy Sugar and how did it actually start out, Audrey? Well, Holy Sugar is a Saturday dessert box that changes weekly and there's about five to six different things in the box, whether it's French crullers, tarts, cakes, brownies like whatever mm-hmm. um and it's ordered and i have a website mm-hmm. so it's not ordered through instagram but mm-hmm. it's basically run through instagram um orders open every tuesday for the saturday pickup or delivery and um that started in august last year so i've been going for just over a year mm-hmm. and through lockdown i was not working. I think I had like one or two shifts at Loon. Um, and I needed to just keep myself busy and occupied. So I thought, why not start my own business? And then Holy Sugar happened. And I've been busy ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it, how did you, what was the first box like? How did you get your first customers? Uh, it was all through Instagram. So my private Instagram account, yeah. I had a few people wanting um, I've always posted on Instagram, like since I was a first year apprentice, like I would make something and I'd always take a photo and post it. So I've always had a foodie following, mm-hmm. um, which was very lucky for me at this point because I already had so many foodies following me. One day I just said, I'm going to, I made um, a random box. I think I had like a cannoli in it, um, baked lemon tart and some other things. And I just said, who wants to buy this on Saturday? Like, I'm going to do this weekend box. And I had, I think I had 40 people buy it that week. Wow. Just through my personal Instagram. Gosh. And then that was a Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. That I was doing this and delivering it. 
And after the Saturday, like everything went fine, but my stress levels were so high that like I almost wrote a post saying, um, I'm sorry, like I'll deliver tomorrow's box, but that's it. Like I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I (laughs) I don't know why I decided to do this. Like I almost, I was in tears, you know, I was like, I can't do this. And then I had um, one of, uh, he was like a, a sous chef in the past start following me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I can't say that now. Cause he's going to think I'm a failure. <laughs> so I didn't do it. And I just like, I just kept making the boxes and I'm so glad I did because that was the hardest week mm-hmm. and it got easier and easier after that. Like I learned so much from that week and each week I learned, kept learning and kept making it easier. Um, yeah, almost quit after the first day, but I didn't because someone started following me that I didn't want to think that I was a failure. <laughs> well, I'm glad you haven't. Um, because, yeah, I know. Yeah, what you're producing is obviously um, an exceptional level. Like how how has it evolved from those, I say early days, like it's, you know, it's um, just over a year old obviously now, but were you making from your house? Like how did it evolve to where you're, where you're making yeah. the product now? Well, I was making it from home. We are very lucky that I live in a massive Italian mansion. So we had a huge kitchen at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still do. But um, now I'm working at Worksmith in Collingwood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I, yeah, I started off with 40, but that was over two days. I think I did 20 one day, 20 the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm doing around 100 boxes a week, um, which for me personally, like, that's my limit. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty happy with that because it's just one day. Mm-hmm. So it is a fair few boxes. And what else? I've got pickups now an option, which makes my life a lot easier because yep. before I was just having to deliver everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think there was one point last year in lockdown that I had 50 deliveries I had to do myself. And I look back at that and wow. I'm like, why? Why did I do that <laughs> <laughs> to myself? Yeah. Especially um, one yeah. person. <laughs> I know. And yeah. like I had to make everything that morning as well and then yeah. deliver the 50. Yeah. Okay. I won't do that again. <laughs> so I was going to say like how do you how do you manage that? Because um, like a lot of people in the podcast would, would be running sort of cafes and restaurants. So thinking about how to plan production-wise for scheduling what you're actually doing um, is something a bit foreign to them. Like how – when when do you sort of allow your cutoff date to happen, cutoff times to happen, and then how do you work out, you know, how much you're going to produce every week for these boxes? Um, well, I usually decide the menu first mm-hmm. and then I work out, like, how many I think I could produce, um, especially, like, it depends what, what I've got on the menu. Like, if I'm using something like fresh cream, i got to consider, like, how that's going to be transported or if I'm going to transport it or, you know, there's different factors to, like depending on what kind of box I'm making. Um, And then I end up adding like an extra 20 onto that because I always give in to people. Um, (laughs) And then because it's a Saturday box, I prep on the Friday all day and then all morning on the Saturday. So I've basically got um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to organise this. Mm -hmm. So that's all like the ingredients, time, recipes, um, like my day on a Friday is, is organized so that I come in. I've already dropped my ingredients off the kitchen set up for me to go. Yep. Um, 
and I know exactly what I'm going to start making first. So like I have a list of not just like what to make, but when to make it and by what time I should have made it by. Like it's all very, very planned out. How How has the lockdowns affected things? Because obviously you, you know, you built this in August last year. That was, we were in lockdown in Victoria at that point. But then mm. um, even though it doesn't feel like it all the time, there have been points during the last, you know, nearly 18 months that we haven't been in lockdown in Victoria. So how does yeah. how has that sort of affected the business and, and what you do on a weekly basis? Well, the end of last year, I completely burnt myself out. Yeah, I bet. For that during Christmas, like after Christmas, I think I had two months off um, when I went back home and I got really sick because I had burnt myself out so much. Wow. So then after coming back, um, I think it was like in Feb this year, it was when things were kind of opening up a lot. So my orders were quite low because I had just had two months off. Like I'd gone kind of AWOL for two months and then also everyone was just busy doing other things, but I was still selling enough to make a profit. Yep. And like, that's all that I cared about. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I needed that low period to mm. like, like to just calm down a bit yep. and like push me to just like do less mm. so that when things did pick up again during the lockdown in, I didn't even know when it started back up again, yes. I was ready. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, okay, great. You know, I'm selling out quick again. Like I can do this. I've had enough time off. Mm -hmm. So it's actually kind of worked in my favor having to slow down, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I always had plan B, plan C, you know, like I was never, I mean, that's a lie. I I did stress about not making money, Mm. but like I was selling out and I was still stressing about not making money. I think there's people always stress about that. Like I called my mom up saying, saying like, you're like, what if I don't make enough money to pay the rent? And she's like, every single business owner thinks that. Yep. She's like, I'm so successful, but I still wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh my God, like, am I going to make money this week? Do you know what I mean? So I think it was just an unnecessary stress. Mm. Always plan B, C. You know, like if I ever feel like I'm struggling to sell boxes, I can sell celebration cakes or whole tarts or sell to restaurants. Like I don't do, what's it called? Wholesale. It's just, it's just too much for me. Like I've got too much on my plate, but if I was, you know, like needing extra money, I could always fall back on wholesale, sure. which people, you know, love. Mm. So I don't think that I've, I'm ever going to be affected too badly. I think mm. I'm always going to be able to find a way to adapt. What do you love about being a pastry chef? Cause like, I, you know, I, I watch the videos and stuff you put out on Instagram and it's, and it's really exciting to watch, you know, just not just from a baker's perspective, but from a connoisseur of like, you know, good quality food. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you going through that method of how you make things as you've shown like the last couple of months, like it's been really impressive to watch and it's obvious to see how much you love mm. what your craft is. Like, but what makes you love it? I think because it is, I am creating mm. and I love creating things. Like I said, um, it was either art or food, but either way I'm creating something and I'm giving it to someone. And, you know, like you're not just looking at it and appreciating the art, you're consuming it as well. Like it's such, I'm giving so much back, I feel. I love that a lot. And like even um, like yesterday I had to do a, um, make up a recipe for Melbourne bush food. Mm-hmm. They sent me some stuff and I made um, like a Davidson plum rhubarb French crullar with wow. cream and Davidson plum dust and um, strawberry gum glaze. 
Wow. And I made like 20 of them and I had a customer ask me for a birthday cake because I'm not doing celebration cakes anymore. I was like, look, I have to make this thing next week. I'll just give you like six for free. And that can just be like your little birthday cake. But like also don't get mad at me for not making you one. (laughs) But like just like, you know, rocking up and just giving her this free box of stuff. Like it just feels so good. Yeah. And like I love doing things like that. Like I'm so lucky to be able to do that as well. Like it's my job. Yeah. I don't have to do it, but like I can. Love to ask, especially pastry chefs, um, like when we've had Zumbo on the podcast before or Kaylee Tan or or Anna Polyview and stuff like that. Like how how do you create? How do you figure out what the next slice is going to be or piece of vinoiserie or, or cake is going to be that you're going to produce? Like where do you get your inspiration from and how do you work through that creative stage? I get a lot of my inspiration from Instagram, like, like looking at what other people are making, even savory dishes. Like I get inspired by looking at a savory dish that's, you know, beautiful or like has great flavors. And then like that will inspire me to create something similar. Obviously you've started a business during a really challenging time, right? Especially for, um, I imagine this, this is your first business that you've started out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how you said you sort of, you know, have talked to your mother during that time. Obviously she's a business owner as well. Like mm-hmm. have you found having the connection with Worksmith and being around other people in the hospitality industry has been another thing which you've lent on as well or has there been other people in the industry which you've lent on during this time? Um, I think I've lent on everyone, to be mm-hmm. honest. I've been and I am very open and like I think I need a lot of support. Yeah. And whether people like it or not, I let them know when I'm needing it or like I will seek it out to kind of anyone or everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've made so many connections with people in the industry this past year. It's crazy. I forgot. I could not believe like how many people I've connected with and had found support from um, through Instagram, through whatever. And it is like, I do love working with people. Like I really miss working with all of the girls um, in pastry section. Like they were like my best friends. Mm. So it is kind of hard not having that kind of environment anymore. But when I go to Worksmith, like I rock up and there's, you know, there's Michael, there's Kate, there's Tim, there's everyone there, you know, Roscoe, I can come in and say hello to like, just having that kind of environment has been really nice. Yeah. Has it has it surprised you? Has it has yeah. the yeah the connections over the last twelve months? Yeah, hundred percent. Like everyone is so, um, like pro holy sugar. You know, yes. I don't think that I've had many people try to bring me down or be negative against it. You know, everyone's so supportive, and I really wasn't expecting that. Like even everyone in my street has kind of found out. About me, because I think I give everyone cakes. When they <laughs> the That's definitely a way for people to find out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're all just so supportive as well. You know, like I don't know, I just couldn't believe it. Just random people you meet, like this one lady in the street, um, heard me talking about my cakes, and she asked my business card, and she's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" I don't know. I just I just think it's crazy how much support I've I've been given. And I wasn't expecting any of it. I was so scared of Melbourne. Like I'm from the country. Yeah, of course. 
And if I was going to have a business, I always thought that I was going to have to go back home to start that because I needed my mom and I needed, you know, my school friends and everything. Um, and I was kind of pushed into starting my own business down here. Like it wasn't an original plan. Yep. And I think that I've gotten more support here than I would have gotten back home. Okay. Is it is Melbourne what you thought it would be when you came down? No. No. I was definitely absolutely terrified of Melbourne. I think I'd been here once for a weekend wedding when I was like 12. Yes. So I was terrified to even drive in the city. Like I used to catch the train. I used to drive to Frankston from the peninsula, catch the train to I don't know, to the city and then like maybe go down one street and then get scared and go back home to the peninsula. Like I was terrified. Yes. And next thing you know, I'm doing deliveries in the city. Yeah. So... Like that was a huge milestone for me because I never thought that I'd ever even drive in the city. And then there I was like doing deliveries, like 50 deliveries in the city, which really helped me learn the geography of Melbourne, which was great. Yeah, true. Um, I always got scared in doing hook turns when I first came to Melbourne and doing them. (laughs) We have to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Is there a bad story? slowly about that. They should teach you that in New South Wales. Yes. It's so stupid how states just have different yeah different laws. laws. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was definitely driving around with a New South Wales license for a lot longer than what I should have been, but that's fine. Yeah, me too. I actually got well. I got caught. Um, a fun story. I got caught coming from Perth, and I had I had Perth license plates for a while. Yeah, and then yeah, I got pulled over by police and told to leave my car, otherwise <gasps> they'd arrest me. Shit. Yeah, on the way to running a bakery. I was running a bakery at this point, so it was oh 3 o'clock in the morning and I um, had WA plates on my car and I just I had been too busy with running this bakery group Whoa. and didn't go to um, the department. And, um, yeah, I got pulled over and uh, breathalyzed and um, they they watched me walk to work oh. and, they, and they yelled at me and said, we're going to arrest you if you go back to your car. Yeah, it was one of the most scariest incidents I've ever had because no. it was very serious. And all I'd done was not change my license plates. Like it was pretty full on. So there's a lot of criminal. Yeah, I know. Like I'm such a bad person in society. Um, I, 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 I feel that bit bad for saying that I've been pulled over three times and got away with it three times. <laughs> <laughs> After hearing that story, I wasn't going to tell you, but. Yeah. That's all right. I won't feel jealous. It's fine. Um, hey, I'm. I'm super curious, like after learning about about your business, Audrey, like during lockdowns I've been interested to think about subscription-based businesses as opposed to like bricks and mortar businesses, right? And I think what's come out of the lockdown is like different business channels, different verticals of hospitality showing that they can be sustainable. Like yeah. would you would you ever have you ever thought about doing you know, a small bakery or something like that where people, where you get customers every day that are walking by rather than doing something like a subscription business where you're controlling, um, you're controlling the flow, so to speak. Um, I have thought about it and that was my original plan mm. a few years ago. Mm. However, I think that that's not like, that's not going to happen. I don't think ever for me because I know myself quite well and I think mentally I will struggle having that kind of a commitment. Yes. Um, So I I don't see that ever happening. 
but I do see things happening like um, maybe doing a cooking school wow, or like cooking classes, mm-hmm. um, something like really fun where, you know, people can book it just for fun or like, you know, it's like a bridal thing or a birthday thing or a hens or whatever. Um, or like just a bunch of, you know, foodies who want to learn how to make, you know, a baked salmon marine tart. Yeah. So like that's something that I definitely want to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever do a, like an actual have a bakery or anything like that. I just, I, no, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't think that mentally I could deal with that. Yeah. Trust yeah. me, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to put myself first yes. and yeah. if I have that, I'll be on the kitchen floor crying and no, no customers want to see that. No. Yeah. No, no one wants to see that. Um, no. Um, what, uh, with regards to the cooking classes, would you do them on, are you thinking about them online or are you thinking about them like in person or a in combo person. of both? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do it in person. My yep. mom, she used to do cheese making classes and cause she was so busy growing up. The only time I could spend time with her or see her was to attend the classes and just sit in the corner and watch. How cool. So I've kind of grown up watching my mum teach. So I feel like that's something I could definitely do and I would love to do Mm -hmm. because I love talking about food and like why food does what it does, you know, like, like with puff pastry, like you must know that it rises because of steam melting in the butter. Like I think that's just so cool and crazy Mm -hmm. and I feel like, Every, every time I tell someone that, I'm always like, I light up and I'm like. Yes, your face immediately <laughs> changed as soon as you said that. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like cooking classes could be something that I would like love to do and it wouldn't be like work. Yeah. It'd be fun. It would be fun. Rosé, maybe, depending on the group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Rosé always makes things better. Um, yeah. Has this time taught you how you want to be as a business owner? Uh, yes. Also because of like the places that I've worked at in the past, it's been from, you know, a tiny little bakery to like a pretty big restaurant to one of the biggest restaurants in Australia. So like I've kind of worked at all the different levels and I've seen how, you know, a lot of people have run their business and I know how I don't want to run my business, which I think is why I haven't got anyone helping me out because I know you've got such a big responsibility when you do hire staff yep. and I want to make sure that I look after them as much as I can and at like, you know, the highest amount that I can. Yep. And I just am so terrified that, you know, of letting a staff member down or, you know, like I think that's a massive responsibility that I'm not quite ready for yet. Yep. So as much as people are saying, you know, life would be so much easier if you just kind of hired someone and had them, do this and this, but it's like I've seen it go badly so many times that like I just don't want to risk that. Yeah. And like when I, I want to hire staff when I'm completely ready for it, you know, and I can support them. Cause like at the moment I'm just trying to support myself. So like yeah. if I'm just trying to do that, like how am I supposed to support myself plus someone else? Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Oh, I totally respect that. I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like um I haven't had that support in the past Mm -hmm. in some places, you know, like I've definitely struggled a lot at a particular place where I wasn't getting any support and it was quite bad. Like it was really, really bad. Right. 
So I think I'm a little bit triggered when it comes to being a business owner. And I know that I would never be in a situation like that. Like I'd never have someone be in a situation like that, but because I know how important it is to look after your staff. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a, it's a big deal. It's not just like, oh yeah, just hire someone and they'll do it. It's like, it's more than that. Yeah. How do you want to, how do you want to go about influencing the hospitality industry? Because even even though you're not employing people currently, like mm. what you're doing is influencing it, right? By, mm. by the way you're going about the business, by the way you're marketing it, by the products yeah. you're producing, like, and it's important. I think it's personally important that, especially people like yourself, are influencing the hospitality industry to change because we need to change, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel like I'm very open. Mm. with holy sugar and I um you know I talk about being vulnerable and you know crying and you know crying isn't weakness it's just that you care a lot and you know sorry if I care about my job (laughs) um so I think as well with my posts I feel like they could be a little bit like out there Mm. um like I just did a photo shop of like me and Britney Spears <laughs> yes. on my Instagram, you yes. know, like it's not very like direct down the line. It's a little bit like this, mm-hmm. like a bit curvy. Mm-hmm. And I definitely like in the past would, you know, double think before posting something like that or talking about crying to a bunch of people, but it's just the reality. And I feel like people try to be tough so much that it comes off, you know, sometimes a bit mean or aggro or whatever, but like there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a bit fragile or sensitive, you know, it's like a massive strength. Yeah. And I think that needs to be talked about more. Like I had a podcast where I was talking about um, being upset and crying in the kitchen and everyone just like, just like knowing that that was just me who I was, which is like totally fine. Yeah. Um, and I had so many people reach out to me about that and say like, I'm so, I was so happy that you shared that because I feel the exact same. Yeah. But like people just don't really talk about it or they feel ashamed about it. Um, so I don't know, I hope that in a way the hospitality industry can change and be a lot more um fragile. Is that right, the right word? Yeah, absolutely. Or responsive, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you yeah. think what do you think we can be doing better when we employ people? Like, do you think it's a case of policies in place around mental health and those kind of things? But like as business leaders what do you think we can be doing better for teams? Maybe maybe looking after yourselves, mm. putting yourselves first because I feel like when mistakes are made, you know, it's not on purpose, but I feel like it might be overseen because of like their own reasons. Yeah. Also yeah. Um, I think money has a lot to do with it, you know, like, when things are failing a business in terms of like staff aren't being treated right or whatever, mm. I feel like money is a lot to blame. Like there's a bit of greed. Yep. And I guess I don't know how you change, how you're supposed to change that with some people if they're just, you know, money hungry and money minded. I don't know how you could change that, but I definitely don't. I don't care about the money. Like I never have. Mm. And I think that I'm so... That's why I love Holy Sugar so much because it's just me. It's not like 
this business that's just raking in the money. It's like, no, it's just, it's more than that. It's like more of like my life than it is like, yeah, a business, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't really see it as being that much of a business. I see it just being still a hobby of mine or yes. like still a side business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like even when I took um, like the two months off last year, like I wasn't earning any money and I didn't have feel like there was any rush to get back to earning money. It wasn't the point. Like I want to be doing what I want because I want to do it. Like my biggest goal in life is to be happy. And I feel like that's a massive situation, like area that I've struggled in. Okay. So like, I feel like I'm living life the way it should be lived if I'm doing what makes me happy and that's not make, making money. You know, if I wanted to be making money, I could have just gone and worked for someone else and just had a constant amount coming into my account, Yep. which is why, yeah, I would, I'd really need to remind myself to stay small because that's when I'm the happiest. Cause then if I start getting bigger, I've just totally lost what I'm about. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes 100% sense. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? As I was talking, my, my, my voice is going a little bit shaky. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, 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 I guess I'm um, – this podcast is a challenge for me because I'm, say, I'm hearing a lot of me in you mm. in my early career. Like, yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you feel when you walk into a bakery? How do you, how do you, what is it, what emotions does it bring up when you start work or when you walk into someone else's bakery even? Um, well, when I walk into my, my kitchen, I'm always, I'm completely calm and relaxed. Yeah. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. I know what I'm doing. Yep. It's great. And then walking into other people's bakeries, I guess it's a lot of respect. Like I go to, um, Northcote Bake Shop every morning Yeah. and I went there today and I was just like, it's so great. Like, I love it. I love everything they've got going here. I love the sandwiches. I love the croissant. I love the pastries. I've just nailed it. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of respect for all bakeries, really. Yeah. Because as well, I, that's not my my goal. I know I couldn't ha- can't handle it, you know. So it's also like, you know, hat, hat off to you. I couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 What What are you loving to bake at the moment? What's... Like obviously you're you're coming up with so many different creations every single week. Like what are you what are you really enjoying to make right now? Um, honestly, it's the French colours with the cream inside. Okay. Like because I made that yesterday as well with the um, Melbourne Bush Foods ingredients. Yes. And it's so good. It's like it just makes sense, mm. you know. Um, and I don't think I've seen someone do that, so that's also fun. Mm-hmm. That it's um. Like it's simple and it makes sense, but like no, no one's really doing it, which is nice to have something a bit different. Yes. Um, and it tastes so freaking good. Like French colors are so nice that why not add some whipped cream to it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's probably, I mean, it changes nearly every day. Mm-hmm. If not every day, it's every week. It'll change to my obsession. Like I love a baked lemon rain tart. I'll always be obsessed with that. What else am I loving at the moment? Yeah, I think that's, that, they're my top, top okay. two. Yeah, Crullers, Crullers are really having a moment at the at the moment. <laughs> like, why I'm do you worried. why do you think that is? Like, how do you, I was going to ask you? Like, how does in your in your sort of thinking, how does something become a trend in pastry and desserts? I don't know. 
And like, I don't know when it started to become a trend. Yeah. Because when I think it was like June last year. Yeah. Or May, May last year, I went back home because of COVID and I was baking every single day on the farm. And I saw that Six Penny in Sydney was doing, I think it was like a plain French colour mm-hmm. with something savory. Okay. And then that's when I first became obsessed with them. And I was like, what is a French crawler? Like, why have I only just started like seeing this for the first time? Mm. And it's like more of like a European, um, American type thing. Mm. Um, and I made my first one and was like, this is amazing. I'm going to make these all the time. So I started posting about them. And then, um, when I started the boxing boxes, I kept putting them in the boxes. And then that's kind of where I think everyone was kind of like French crawler, French crawler. I don't know. I don't know what it is that people latch on to. I guess they all had the same feeling I did when I first saw Six Pennies. It was like, what is this? Yes, I must have yeah. it. I must know what it's yeah. like. Yeah. Okay. My my last question to you is like, what are you looking forward to for the future? Like what what are you hoping to do with the brand? Like obviously I'm hearing that you want to keep it small and keep it pretty nimble and stuff like that. But like what are yeah. you what are you thinking for 2021? 2022. God, we're in 2021 now. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, the year has just flown by. Oh, my God. <laughs> How's like, wow. How is it almost Christmas? Like, seriously. I know. Yeah. I had the weirdest, like, awakening last night where I was like, I've just lost a month. Like, yeah. I literally don't know what happened in that past four weeks. It's just disappeared. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so next year, I, honestly, like, the cooking classes, like, I'm starting to talk about it and I shouldn't. I should just do it. Yeah. But um, that's something I'm really looking forward to doing. And to be honest, like I've never, um, I've never wanted to buy a house and I never wanted to like invest money in anything. I'm just kind of like, don't know what, what to do. Okay. But for the first time, I'm actually like motivated to buy something. Like I'm not saying buy a shop, but like buy maybe a house that has a commercial kitchen or I build a commercial kitchen in a house or I do something like that where I can base classes from. Mm. And that's just made me get really excited. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're not really like looking forward to anything and it's kind of like a bit stagnant. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, that's what I want. And I'm going to work, work towards it. So yeah, that'll be fun. I want like, a garden full of edible flowers and I don't know. So you're sort of thinking going back to Byron and doing that or you're thinking like staying in, Vic- like staying in country Victoria or like doing it in country Victoria or something like that? I really want to stay in Victoria. Interesting. Like I used to always say that I was going to go back to Byron but only because I felt bad for my family. Yes. But now I've got my Victorian driver's license. It's like I'm staying here. Like it's that's it. I'm not leaving. Good. I really want to do it here. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I don't really want to go back home. Like I love everyone back home, but you know, Melbourne's my new home. Yeah. It's just so positive here. I think back home's a bit negative mm. mindset. So I'd love to do it somewhere in Melbourne. I just don't know where. But that's all right. We'll think about that later. My last last question to you, because I just thought of another one, which is probably really important. Like for those people who are thinking about starting a business. Yeah what kind of words of advice would you give them as they're starting their business or thinking? Um, I would say that I decided to start my own business on a Monday, 
by Tuesday, I made the box, took a photo of it and posted about it. By Wednesday, I made, uh, what's it called? Like a number, like a business number. Like a phone number? (laughs) I registered a business. Oh, an ABN. ABN, yeah. Yeah, cool. And then I designed my logo on Snapchat for Holy Sugar. Nice. And then Saturday I was delivering it to people who I hadn't met before. They were just random people who found me that week. So like this all happened in one week and it was like very stressful and whatever. But that was it. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to spend years or you have to go to business school. I mean, you can, it probably helps, but like you don't have to just do it. Just start. Yeah. No, think about it. Yeah. Great advice. Just kind of jump into it Mm. and then it's done. And then you're like, whoa, what was that all about? (laughs) Well, just keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Audrey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great to learn more about Holy Sugar and everything that you're doing here in Victoria. Um, What's the best way that people can find out about you and, you know, place some orders for some dessert boxes? Um, The best way is through Instagram just because I post heaps of, you know, juicy photos on Insta. So that's Holy Sugar with two underscores Mm -hmm. or um, I open orders via my website, which is holysugar.com.au every Tuesday at 6 p.m. So either one. If you don't have Instagram, just go straight to the website on Tuesday. Sweet. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast. Audrey, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed this one. I know I did. Now, as always, please comment, share, and like this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we'd really appreciate you sharing it along. Thanks as always to our supporter, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia, Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, and graphic design, you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with systems and processes to make your business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. Thanks for Chef's Hat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. This episode was brought to you by the team at Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. Find more information at chefshat.com.au.